everyone to uh, All About Windows Phone Insight Podcast 123, recording this on Sunday, the 11th of January 2015. So happy new year year to all our listeners. Yes, great to have the first podcast of 2015 and to have it as uh, 123. Um, I think people who have been long-time Nokia fans will recognize that as the countdown number. That was what the 3210 was nicknamed. I always rather like the... uh, I guess it's a sort of numeric alliteration of one, two, three, something like that. Uh, and it's a good way to start the year. We've got quite a few new stories to work through, Steve, um, not least to look back at 2014 and some of the highlights. And maybe we'll also have a bit of a look forward. But uh, I know you've been keenly awaiting you know, camera updates that haven't really arrived. And I, I know you've got a theory about it. So maybe we should start with that as a topic. Well, there's no real conspiracy or theory other than the fact that because the Lumia Camera 5, which is the software I've been waiting for and trailing for so long, is seems to be intimately tied in with the Denim update itself, i.e. There are, there are under the hood things that Lumia Camera 5 obviously depends on, otherwise it couldn't do all the fast launching in co- co- cooperation with the OS, etc. Because it's tied to Denim update and the, an OS update or a platform update is a much bigger thing, then of course there's more things to test, more things to go wrong, more bugs to find more things to fix and i think that's why it's taking so long there was a limited rollout of denim i think like denmark and i think so maybe finland for some devices um and eastern europe uh, about um, three weeks ago but that was clearly a test rollout and microsoft then sitting back and watching for bug reports and it's clear they have found some issues which is why they're taking their time rolling out to the rest of the devices i've got about six uh, phone windows phones in front of me and i do check for updates on each of their screens at least two or three times a day in the hope that something will slip through the net. There's even a, a rumours online as we record this of uh, the preview for developers program being superseded by a sort of a, a Microsoft Windows Insider program. More details apparently are going to follow on the Microsoft event on the 21st of January. So there's a lot to look forward to. There's a lot up in the air. But what I want to just mention, um, Rafe, is that... Uh, but uh, just before Christmas, Lumia Moments was uh, introduced in the Windows Phone Store, and we I wrote it up, and you can anybody can download it. And essentially, this is a, a core part of what will come in the, the new camera software for the uh, Lumia Denim, whereby you can shoot a video, and as we just or previously described, you can then say, okay, well, I'll take that frame, that frame, and that frame, and save them as full resolution. Um, photos and although that's going to be part of lumia camera 5 this lumia moments thing is enough of a side module that when lumia camera 5 does arrive this moments uh, application will be kind of launched as a a side process to handle this function so anybody who's desperate to have a play with this particular feature of lumia camera 5 um, can just to grab lumia moments and do see our story for all the details and it's uh, well worth playing with it is indeed, and I think it's probably worth saying that I suspect there will be a shortcut to this. It'll be built into the, the camera UI. That's certainly yes, the, the, the preview yeah. that I saw. But this yeah. kind of enables you to get a, a feel for it. And I guess the reason to kind of look forward to it being built in is then becomes a seamless part of the workflow. And for the same reason we talk about something like uh, reframing being a good thing, you can get into it very easily directly from the camera application or from the photos application. You know, that level of integration just makes it more likely that you'll use it. Um, I mean, talking about Denon more generally, you know, it's always going to be the case with these updates that you'd rather have them tested properly before they they get released. Uh, And there obviously has been a limited release of it in a few markets uh, that Steve mentioned in his news story about this. I think they do that in order to have a little bit more data to test on a public release, you know, instead of having it on hundreds of thousands of devices at the same time, it may be a thousand or tens of thousand, especially if they're testing in a small market. And that's actually a, a good thing. Uh, it's still rather frustrating when we were 
not quite unequivocally told that it was going to be out in 2014, but that was certainly the very strong implication. And, uh, of course, you know, that, that doesn't change that when it's ready, but it, you sometimes wish the communication around this could be a bit clearer. Uh, and it seems strange to me, honestly, because I did see this back in September and that seems like an awful long time ago now. And you kind of wonder what's going on. In reality, probably the truth is there's all sorts of other software development going on at the same time, not least for Windows 10 or Windows Phone 10, whatever it ends up being called, or the next generation of imaging stuff, or the update that's coming after Denim. Uh, The reason I I say that, of course, you know, when you're doing software development, you'll make an estimate on how long you'll think it will take and you'll make those resources available. If that slips and that falls back somehow, it's not just a question of, oh, we'll just throw some more resources at it because where are those resources going to come from? Because very often they'll already be committed to something else. And so you might retain the same team on it, but you can't necessarily speed it up. Um, and obviously you always try and get those kind of resourcing predictions right. But I think anyone who's worked with software and anyone who thinks about the complexity of what's involved will appreciate that that's not always going to be possible. Of course, that sort of thing never gets publicly disclosed. I suspect if you push, you might be able to find out that there'd been bit of delay or things had taken a little bit longer but if you think about the breadth of the imaging software now kind of the bits that make up that imaging stack and with everything from processing camera ui and all the companion applications and there seem to be an ever-increasing number of them then multiply that by the number of different camera modules and then the different device which might have slightly different characteristics because the flash is in a different position or something like that it then becomes quite a significant software kind of management issue just on its own so i have a certain amount of sympathy even if there's an individual person with just you know one device that wants to get lumia denim and these new lumia camera 5 on as soon as possible that, that there is kind of a a good reason for it but as you say you know in the meantime uh lumia moments is a good way to go and play with it of course you know i do want to have it um coming along with 4k on things like the lumia 930 because that's when i think you get the real value from it because you get a, a pretty yeah. decent image out of it. It, it particularly if you're talking about something you might then end up resampling a bit anyway so yeah it's a, it's an interesting one so i mean i assume you're still very much looking forward to it but uh moments did that keep you occupied over christmas or, or are you still chomping at the bit it did keep me occupied over Christmas, although I've only installed it so far on the 830, which, of course, just gives me two megapixel images. So it, I, I guess I wasn't really serious about it. To be honest, I've written before about a shots taking the depth and darkness of the UK winter tend to be needing Xenon Flash, hence my usual rants. And I, I have to confess, I was using the Lumia 1020 a lot of the time, um, for which, of course, we won't get some of these uh, enhancements because it runs the older S4 chipset. And just to give you people a flavour of uh, the excitement at Litchfield Towers for all these firmware updates, as I'm recording this, um, after flicking preview for developers back on on the Lumia 830, an update started to download. So it is literally draining bandwidth away from the podcast recording, Rafe. And who knows, maybe by the end of the recording, it'll actually announce what it is and uh, I'll find out what it, I've been given. But uh, exciting yeah. times. It, and it's worth pointing out, actually, there is this moment. But the bit that really captured my attention when it was announced back at IFA Berlin was the, kind of the rich capture, this yes. idea that you yes. could sort of... Uh, I want to call it HDR, but actually I think that's rather a disservice when people think about HDR on other smartphones. It is essentially HDR. There is bracketing going on with multiple captures then being combined together, but with a lot more user control than you typically get. You can effectively mix various shots together, and that's both an exposure one or a flash on and a non-flash photo, depending on the uh, kind of conditions that the photo is taken. And the fact that that happens intelligently without any user intervention and essentially becomes another reframing option type 
uh, interaction in the user interface. That's the really interesting bit with Lumia Camera 5. Uh, part of me says that the Lumia Moments, uh, I, this capture from a, a video frame, is, uh, it, yeah, great, have it in the UI, absolutely. But of course, it is something you could do manually if you capture video and then take it off. And I suspect if there was something in a video that was good enough that you want a, a still picture out of it, you probably would make the effort to do that um, yourself and certainly perfectly possible to do that with a PC. I, I First one to acknowledge that it's much easier doing it on the phone and having it all done for you and presumably some maybe some extra processing and some clever things going on. But uh, as I say, Lumia camera still waiting, um, patience required, but I guess yeah. that may be the story during a lot of uh, 2015, something uh, we might talk about in a little bit. I did um, theorise in one of my editorials over Christmas that uh, uh, this this has all been somewhat delayed and, and people would be asking questions of Microsoft had they been officially at CES saying, you know, where's this update we've been promised? And But of course, the Microsoft weren't there officially, so I guess they, they kind of slipped under the radar there. But with this huge event, this Windows 10 for, for phones, for tablets and for desktops on the 21st of January which is only, what, just a 11, 10 or 11 days away. At that point, every single person attending is going to start clamoring and say, what happened to this update? We were promised the end of last year. Where is it? And I think Microsoft probably are pulling out all the stops to try and get as many devices and variants rolled out in the next week or so. So I think this week coming up, as people are listening to the podcast, I think could be quite exciting in terms of updates. Now, I'll be here to report on it, of course, and to write more up. So certainly for the major devices. Yeah, I think it's likely. I mean, obviously, there is going to be a lot of attention on the events coming up. And again, it will be, as, as you uh, kind of alluded to in the first part of the podcast, Steve, that there will be some kind of developer preview or some way to access it. Worth stating that that is going to be, again, as with you know, window, with previous releases, it will be an early look and it won't necessarily be stable, not recommended, but that's not going to stop a lot of people installing it anyway. Uh, but as you say, hopefully in the meantime, we will see a lot of the devices kind of get the updates that have been promised as you say, uh, Microsoft weren't really present at CES. They didn't have a big stand. They were at some of the press events, and uh, you know, a few people were asking about the availability of this software. You know, there wasn't any official comment you wouldn't expect there to be, apart from to say that it, it is coming soon, and kind of the rollout had started, which, to be completely accurate, yes, it, it, it had done. Um, there were quite a few Windows Phone devices on display. We might talk about that a little bit at the end of the, the show. Um, and we've got one to talk about in detail, I think, is our, our next topic even, haven't we, Steve? Yes, indeed. Um, <laughs> there was a story up on the site during the week. Um, I think the announcement came around the CES timing. I, and I believe that yes, we're actually on the on the show floor. Maybe Ray can comment on that in a moment. But um, before just mentioning the new device that they've announced, uh, the PR people for yes have said, yes, there are two review devices, the previous two, slightly lower spec devices, but coming across as full review units for all about Windows Phone, and that will be up on the site, certainly as I review them over the next fortnight or so. But at CES, uh, they announced the uh, Yes Billy 5S. Yes, you get, get, get past the slightly silly name. They're, they're a decent device, this one. Um, 720p display, uh, 5 inches. It's got LTE. It's looking very much like the, the, the Yes's answer to the Illumia 830, to be honest. Um, 1.2 gigahertz Snapdragon 410, so pretty similar there as well. 13 megapixel rear camera, which uh, remains to be seen how good or bad that is. 8 gig of internal memory plus microSD. Virtual Windows Phone controls, which is a difference from the Lumia 830. But this looks like the the, the first really decent yes Windows Phone device, Rafe. And I would think uh, if it comes in quite a bit under the Lumia 830's price, then it could be a serious contender. 
Indeed, I mean, I think you might compare this against the 7.35 or, or the 8.30. It's not clear what the pricing is going to be. I mean, for example, the previous uh, Yes device was $199 in the US. I suspect this one will be a little more, but it could still well undercut the 8.30, so it'll be around the 7.35 price point. And then it starts to get interesting which one you might go for. And um, again, I think it will be about as with some of these other non-Lumia devices, whether it's available on a given operator or the channel you happen to be in, I think it's unlikely people will really actively go and, and seek these out. But it did catch a bit of attention, you know, because it's got the LG connectivity. Um, this suggests actually it's a slight update to the reference design that we've seen used in you know, a whole bunch of other devices from the likes of Arcos and from Blue and a whole bunch of other companies, especially some of the Indian uh, manufacturers, who have been producing these devices. I did actually get to see this one in person, um, but there weren't very many of them about. And actually, kind of the interesting thing about the Yes stand was they had all three platforms represented with multiple devices for each one. And it was kind of a good example of the way smartphones have become totally commoditized and you can almost have any screen size any chipset you and any platform you choose. Um, as Steve has said that Yes now have three different uh Windows phone devices, uh, and they're all called Billy and then have various numbers or letters after them. All the uh, Firefox ones are called Foxy, and all the Android ones are called Andy. <laughs> and you, you, oh, no. <laughs> yeah, you do. I, I did laugh a little bit. Um, and not surprisingly, uh, there are the most of the Andy devices with various different chipsets and sizes. Uh, there's the least of Foxy, and obviously the Billy one sitting in the middle. But um, it, it kind of made me smile. But actually, saw something similar also from Alcatel or TCL and they have uh, they announced the Pixie 3 and that again was a phone that was available on all three of those platforms Windows Phone but just talking a little bit about this 5S um, which again the kind of the, the number after it made me smile a little bit uh, given the iPhone naming scheme yeah it was a, a perfectly good device it, it's always hard to pick one up and sort of give an immediate reaction, but it was lighter than I was expecting. It seemed to be well put together, but they were very definitely prototype devices. In fact, some of them were so prototype, it was pretty clear that the uh, back casing and even some of the components had been 3D printed um, and had been put on the <laughs> stand. So I suspect there aren't very many of these devices around at the moment. Um, and so, you know, the finish leaves something to be desired. And these devices have definitely gone through a few knocks. You know, there was, they weren't in perfect condition by any means. But, um, in some ways, it was fascinating to see that they had been put on display because it had been very easy for them to just put a few, uh, fake plastic models. And indeed, in order to make up the numbers, there were a few fake plastic models, whereas they had sort of multiple examples of each of the other devices. Um, the screen, yes, certainly a bit of a standout compared to the other cheap devices I've seen. Uh, and nice to have 4G on there wasn't able to test that out kind of uh, for obvious reasons they didn't have any sim cards in them um otherwise the you know the internals are fairly standard you know the snapdragon 410 a bit of an update there i suppose in the gigabyte of ram but the right specifications in the sense that those are the ones i feel um, give you a very good windows phone device experience pretty much regardless of what you run on it with the exceptions of the really um, processor intensive stuff which tends to be you know something around video editing and even then it will continue to work it will just take a little bit longer wasn't really able to get any judgment on the camera i mean yes it worked I mean, that's about all i can really say um but having 13 megapixels and on the back and 5 megapixels on the front probably means it's going to be a fairly standard component and I wouldn't expect it to measure up to the Lumia devices. So if you know the camera is important, you're probably going to continue to look at those. Um, and you know the 8 gigabyte of internal memory and the internal storage, fairly standard. Uh, 
it's interesting yes at least in europe is represented by sort of uh have a, a french presence and so many of the people sharing the devices off at ces uh were from france and were you know talking about some of the channels they take it to the market in france and actually france is one of their more established markets uh along with spain and some other smaller european countries and it tends to be that they go through electronics retailers and so for those of you listening in the uk that would be something like dixon's or maybe the equivalent of best buy in the us rather than you know phone shops or carriers there are a few places where it's being carried carried by a carrier and uh, in the us it's also being sold in microsoft stores but it's a slightly different route to what you might expect and of course you you, you push a bit about that and of course they'd like operator deals that's how they're going to sell the most devices but they think there is a sustainable business to be made out of selling them um, in these uh, electronic retail channels, if we can call them that. And there's also a certain amount going online, you know, the likes of Amazon um, and occasionally deals with uh, supermarkets. And that's a particularly good route in France. And it's people picking devices up, generally going to be on pairs. You're going effectively, they're getting a SIM-free device because they don't want to be tied to a contract. Or maybe they get a special deal on it as part of a, you know, a wider purchase. And I was kind of surprised that there'd be enough volume in there to be a sustainable business, but they've obviously enjoy quite a, a bit of success with their Android devices. And when you think about the costs involved, actually you probably don't need to sell that many devices in order to you know, start being able to make a profit because you are literally putting t- these together with off-the-shelf components. There isn't a great deal of design and marketing work to be done. You know, you it, It's getting the right business deals in terms of the channels and things like that. So I, the number of people involved with these devices is actually relatively small compared to a company like Microsoft that you know has literally, well, certainly hundreds of people on any given phone team and you know we're talking more generally a lot more i mean even allowing for you know things like the factories there's probably 10 to twenty thousand people in the, the kind of what was the nokia devices group and now it's kind of microsoft devices group so uh, very interesting to talk to them a little bit about the business and they were saying actually they're getting a lot of interest from the windows phone devices mainly because there aren't that many manufacturers compared to the android world and certainly not ones that have a strong european presence which yes does and it was noticeable that actually there were, there were two companies that really stood out for me at cs for having these windows phone device and the other one was blue spelled blu um, they announced a couple of interesting Android devices, including one with a 5,000 milliamp hour battery, but they were also showing off their two Windows phone devices. I think it's the uh, Blue Junior and the Blue HD, and it's basically a low end and a mid tier device. But again, quite well put together, very competitively priced and dependent on, you know, getting these deals with uh, retailers, not operators. And part of the thing is that kind of highlights about that is they actually tend to put more accessories in the box and so most of these devices when they're sold will come with a case they'll quite often come with a screen protector as well and maybe a few other accessories and that's a way of sort of getting a bit of extra value the truth is of course they they cost just a handful of dollars to put in but uh particularly attractive to the type of market that they're going after who kind of want to buy a phone and get everything with it don't have to worry about casing or anything like that so you know it was, it was really interesting for me to go and see these Talking about the actual hardware, they're, they're very similar. It's largely made up of plastics. Um, those devices have become quite standard. It's not like the old days where you saw some quite frankly shocking examples of build quality. You know, they're not top draw by any means, but it's certainly uh, for most people that you're going to go, yeah, it's a pretty solid device. I suspect the issue will be when you then compare it to a Lumia device, it doesn't have quite that same feel of quality there just isn't quite the same thought into how everything's put together 
the design perhaps isn't quite as attractive it feels kind of more it just feels like a cheaper design and even looking at the pictures of the years you can see there's a two-tone back which yeah it, it makes something a bit different but it, in practice it feels like sort of a, a cheap case has been put on it or not enough thought has been given to it and the, you know the surround of the camera and the placement it it just doesn't feel quite quite as good um and obviously using the on-screen keys doesn't do it any favors in my view i think still the best feeling devices are the ones that have those physical buttons not least because you tend to still have a big chin at the bottom of the device in order to put the aerials in and i think it makes sense you know to have the physical buttons of course it does add to the cost and these devices are all about keeping the budget down but yeah very interesting i mean that was probably the main thing for windows phone in terms of devices at ces certainly the uh, billy 5s was kind of the big new announcement and that's who uh, microsoft were referring people to but it was noticeable that there were you know windows phone devices being used on quite a lot of other stands for demoing there are also quite a few devices just with people out in the wild you always um see quite a few 1020s at these kind of events I think it's often media have been given a device or bought one to use it as a, a backup camera. But I also notice quite a few uh, Lumia devices just around in people's hands and have to be said more from the international audience than the American audience, probably uh, reflecting the fact they're selling better in Europe than in the States. But contrasted to a couple of years ago where you really didn't see them at all, I did notice that and quite a few of the kind of smart home and wearables uh, exhibitors were also talking about the fact that they're software was going to be available for windows phone uh, and again a bit of a contrast to you know, a few years back where you know smart home and bluetooth uh, wearables were pretty much ignoring windows phone partly because it just didn't support them didn't have the support for bluetooth low energy but nonetheless sort of i think despite the fact that microsoft wasn't there in any meaningful way certainly yeah some reasons for optimism as we sort of look forward to mwc at the beginning of march yeah uh, absolutely um, just to mention, the reason I was comparing in my head the, the Billy 5S to the 830 was because, obviously, it will be quite a bit cheaper, whereas if you compare it to the 735, which you quite rightly pointed out was a more apt comparison, of course, the 735 is going to be likely more or less the same price. So why Indeed. on earth would you go for the Billy when you could have the 735 with, with that rather incredible build quality on that particular device? But let's uh, not go down. Uh, let's not beat that to death. The update on the 830 has... Uh, started installing it turns out it was uh, just catching me up to the very latest dev preview oh, and nothing mind. exciting no denim no lumia camera 5 but watch this space i'm sure it'll all happen this week he said touching wooden with his fingers crossed so tell me steve is this um 8 30 yeah. that you've got a bling example <laughs> what a, a sleek segue there right there are two <laughs> new lumias have been announced and don't get too excited it is the gold editions of the 830 and 930 and to be available um in Black and white uh, basic base finishes in February in uh, Europe, Asia Pacific, China, India, Middle East and Africa. So basically everywhere. It's not clear exactly what the pricing is going to be. You'd imagine they'd start it off at a few quid more just because it looks more blingy. It looks more high end. But I, I really couldn't get excited about this, Rafe. It's basically we know that you can anodize any color you want into aluminium. They started off with the, the base silver on which the 830 and 930 look very nice thank you very much but of course you could have it gold you could have it bright pink you could have it green you could have it any color you wanted um they look quite nice a lot of people on twitter have said well actually i think i might go for this this looks rather special but i i had to say i i felt rather lukewarm towards the whole project uh, yeah i mean obviously this is a, kind of a fashion statement uh, and i think for devices that quite frankly look gorgeous in person 
Um, yes, fine, do this by all means because it's going to appeal to some people. In terms of personal preference, I actually prefer the kind of the plain aluminium look that's on the 830 and the 930 at the moment. But uh, I certainly understand that there's a big market for this kind of thing. You only need to look at the services that offer kind of gold plating or some kind of custom cover for other devices to appreciate that you know, it's quite demand for that kind of thing. And going back, of course, also to uh, what used to belong to Nokia, the Virtu devices uh, on the same principle. It's sort of something a bit special. I suspect these are going to be relatively limited editions and it's going to be you know, very limited availability. It's interesting that you can do this to a device without actually, I think, compromising its design because sometimes you can just add bling for the sake of it and it looks really bad. But actually, these, as Steve says, these kind of stand out as looking really quite attractive and I think um, it's a, a testament really to the design teams. But yes, in terms of getting excited about new devices, um, despite the fact that it's probably going to sell in even fewer locations, I think the Yes Billy 5S was the one that stood out for me and actually that was probably reflecting the fact I didn't see these devices at CES. Um, obviously there wasn't a stand but I did go and have a look at the Microsoft thing at one of the press days and they were showing off the standard versions rather than these custom gold versions. It is probably worth saying that these kind of devices do actually sell very well in both the Middle East and Asia where this kind of customization seems to hold greater appeal than in the European and the American markets. So I would actually expect these to become available first in the Middle East and China and uh, we may well see them in sort of custom versions elsewhere in terms of other materials and other colors that's something to to watch out for and i guess if you're looking for something like this and you're looking to buy an 830 or a 930 might be worth waiting for this if you particularly like the color combination uh, i do like the kind of the black and gold together i think that looks great and uh, yeah, if i was going to buy one of these devices i think i'd go for the 830 as we've talked about in the podcast before yeah, yeah. Uh, moving on, I want your opinion on this, Rafe. Now, you're, you're involved in analysis to a certain degree in your, your professional life, and uh, you've always done lots of lovely charts and tables for all about Windows Phone and all about Symbian. Now, the ad duplex stats, stats we get from the developer community um, for Windows Phone, um, they basically break down the, the, the devices by percentage worldwide and in various markets. And it's tempting to think, um, we've done some of the charts in the story, which we'll link to in the show notes, it's tempting to think what these represent present the actual sales figures for the different Windows Phone devices, or certainly the people using them actively. But in actual fact, I have a theory, and if you bring up the story and see the chart, you'll see what I mean, that they're heavily skewed towards the, the budget models. Now, it's absolutely true that the budget models obviously sell in large numbers. We've, the 520 was a, a big seller. I'm sure the 630 and 635 are doing very well. I think the 535 will do even better, to be honest, and we'll come to that in a moment, maybe. Um, but on these charts, things, devices, our favourite devices, things like the 830, I guess is too, too new, but they're, they're, there's no sign of the 930, no sign of the 1520, no sign of the 1020 at all. And you have to wonder, my theory is that these ad duplex stats are all derived from adverts shown in applications. Now, I would, I would argue that the sort of people who buy the budget Windows phones tend to be the sort of people who play games more, play games more. Also, the same sort of people who might be tempted to, to live with ad, ad-supported games rather than pay to dismiss the ads or buy the commercial games in the first place. And I guess that sounds a bit snobbish from my point of view. But my, if someone can afford, for example, a fifteen twenty, and they like a game, they're going to pay to dismiss the ads within a, a few minutes. And therefore, thereafter, they won't count towards the ad duplex stats. So my contention is that all of these stats, they're interesting. They are quite heavily skewed towards the budget and freemium and perhaps slightly more penny-pinching end of the market. Is that fair? 
It's difficult to know with this kind of thing because, of course, we don't have a, a complete set of data. But I think it is always, when you're looking at stats like this, worth bearing in mind what they're measuring. And obviously, these are active devices that are using applications that have adduplex stats in them. Now, adduplex is in quite a number of applications into the high uh, hundreds now and so there certainly should be a, a big enough sample size out there for people who are actively using what you might describe as the freemium apps the ones that are ad supported and maybe will have an app purchase to upgrade them but that is going to be a certain type of user and i think that certainly will um, have them be biased one way or the other you know you, you could argue that people who sort of have a high-end device are perhaps more likely to install apps because they're that kind of user who's a bit more engaged but equally well you can make the argument that, that steve is that they're more likely to have the kind of the freemium games and i think actually that's quite right um, and so you probably will see some over-representation of devices like the 520 and the 630. But it is worth emphasising that you can't really link these to sales. What you can link these to is the install base. And there are always going to be more of the low-end devices. It's just the way it is. Um, if you try and look at some of these numbers, you go something like the you know, Nokia Lumia 925. I mean, you compare it against the 520 now. They've actually been on sale for slightly different periods of time Um but you can do a rough calculation that look at those and suggest that maybe one in seven, um, the ratio there. And so for every seven, 520 so there's one, 925. That does seem a bit low to me. Um, but on the other hand, you also have to consider that uh, Windows Phone in most markets will only sell the low end devices. And that's because um, a lot of markets operate without subsidies and therefore the car buying the kind of high-end devices becomes prohibitively expensive. So if you think about markets like the US or even the UK, actually getting a low-end Windows Phone device, unless it's one of the really cheap ones, which actually kind of, again, favours this low-end scenario, uh, doesn't make a lot of sense. If you're buying a device on a contract, you might as well have a high-end device. But for people in those markets, you need to remember that that's not the norm. In most markets, you are paying full price for your device um, in one way or another. And the reason I say that, you know, in the UK, you could get a, a 630 on a contract, um, but you will still be paying a monthly fee. And actually, the UK is kind of somewhere in between. The US is a really bad example of this, where, you know, you're going to be paying £100, $100 a month, pretty much regardless. So, of course, you might as well get the, the, the highest end possible device. So, actually, I think it's quite possible that the low-end devices are outselling the high-end ones um, to the extent that, Ad duplex suggests. I, I think if anything, you're right, Steve. There probably is a bit of overcounting here, and I would suggest it might be near to, to five to one. And having seen some other stats from other platforms, that would also be borne out. I mean, if you look at the Android world, eighty you percent know, of the devices plus are low end devices, and actually things like the S5 and the Sony X3 or the LG G3, the, the devices that kind of get all the attention when people talk about Android and what the best Android devices. Are, uh, represent actually a relatively small overall proportion of the market. It's like any other retail thing. You know, the cheaper thing sells more because more people can afford it. You know, why is that? Well, it's basic economics, essentially. You know, when you've got a device yeah. that costs half the amount, the size of the addressable market increases. Now, it's very rarely proportional. In fact, actually, it tends to be more, more so. So, for example, if you've got, let's say, 10 people that can buy a 930, you might go, well, does that mean 20 people can buy a 530? No, you probably find that it's actually more like 100 people. And so a 10 to 1 difference. Now, those numbers I've just made up out of the air. But <laughs> I, I would suggest that the ad duplex numbers um, 
will have some inaccuracy in them, particularly when you start talking about the sample size. Uh, so I think they are counting a very specific thing. So don't necessarily read them as installed base, but they probably give us a, a rough approximation. Um, and if I think about what I see in the wild, wild yes, the, the 520 and the 530 are the ones I see most often. I've been seeing a lot of uh, Lumia 630 and 635s in the UK, which are quite distinctive because of the uh, green and orange colour and just the, the shape of them. It stands out from some other devices. Um, you see something like the Lumia 920, as I think the number uh, four device on our duplex list. I very rarely see those in the UK now, but there are some markets where they're still on selling the 710 similarly at number five. Haven't seen one of those for a while, whereas I have seen uh, a couple of 930s and 830s out and about. So it, you have to take all of that with a pinch of salt. You know, it's the usual statistics. Um, and really the only ones that can be said to be really accurate are when operators provide numbers and that actually happens very rarely and they tend to be quite cagey about how they do it and sometimes it'll be devices that are accessing their portal or accessing data services and that might not even be complete and sometimes they will provide month-to-month sale numbers but they're very much affected by kind of monthly or seasonal promotions so it, it can be very hard to get a very good grasp of what's going on and really in the Windows home world Ad Duplex is the only game in town at the moment. Yeah, yeah. In terms okay. of the free data, at least. Yeah, yeah. Um, just very quickly, before we move on to a few other subjects, I want to get your opinion on this, because you've always been Mr. Mix Radio fan on the team. And uh, I just, just in, in two minutes max, please, I did see the story, and I wrote up briefly, um, Japan-based Line, L-I-N-E, I don't know whether there's a Japanese equivalent of that name. Um, they're an instant messenger-based company over there. They, they've ended up being the new owners of uh, Nokia Mix Radio. And I'm, I just I don't know where to start in terms of analysing the story and whether it's good, bad, and different. But perhaps you can share some insight. Well, I think it's why did this happen in the first place is because the Mix Radio asset didn't make sense in the Microsoft portfolio because there was already uh, Xbox Music. So it was always likely that it was going to be spun off or sold. And then it became, who, who's it going to go to? Line's kind of a very interesting company. I think the easiest way to think of them is the equivalent to WhatsApp. And actually, they have a very strong presence in, in certain markets in Asia and a growing presence elsewhere. They're not of the size of something like WeChat or WhatsApp, but they're certainly you know, probably number three or four in this instant messaging market. Uh, and in some markets, they're actually the number one player. And all of these services are looking to add extra functionality we haven't seen it very much with whatsapp in kind of the uk and europe in the markets where that's strong but if you look at somewhere like wechat in china where it's kind of taken on all the services that you expect to see in facebook and then some and so the ability to do e-commerce for example you'll be able to buy things you can book flights even reserve specific seats on plane you can call for a taxi all through the WeChat application. There's also the things like stickers and those kind of customizations that have gone on. I don't want to focus on those. I want to sort of talk about these extra services. And so buying a music service is probably quite a canny move by line. Um, and it's probably a good home for mixed radio. It will continue to get investment. It will continue. And we've already been told that it will continue to operate kind of standalone. But will I suspect be integrated into the line service as well? The team is going to remain based largely in Bristol. Presumably there'll also be some people over in Finland as well. Um, it, it was also always going to be a bit of a redheaded stepchild for Microsoft. So it's kind of good to see that it's got a, a home. All the people involved in Mixed Radio kind of made the right noises about whether, you know, it being a good thing in the continuing investment. I absolutely believe that. Um, they don't have any reason to sort of you know, spread the truth incorrectly, if you like. Um, 
I just hope it continues to get that investment for the next few years because it's got a lot of potential and actually it's probably in the right place to be cross-platform, you know, because Line itself is inevitably a cross-platform service and being owned by a platform wasn't going to do them any favours. You know, why would Microsoft invest money to make it available on, say, Android or iOS? Um, but there's been a couple of partnerships that Mixed Radio have done. They've redone their whole back end in terms of engineering to allow that to happen very easily. We saw some of that before Christmas with a, a partnership with one of the exercise, the uh, fitness tracking applications. We saw a partnership at CES with a speaker maker. They've made it available on Sonos, on that music system as well. Expect to see more of that. Expect to see it continue to be available on the Lumia devices. Although the details haven't been disclosed, I think you can be pretty sure that as part of the, the sell-off that Microsoft will have done a, a deal to continue to bundle this on their devices at least for the next 12 months. And actually Line will be sort of guaranteed a revenue stream as a result of that. It may be a, you know, a little as a dollar a handset or something like that, but that does mean that they will kind of get a certain amount of income. And that means they can obviously pay the license fees for mixed radio, but they can also continue the, to maintain the development team. Definitely one that's worth watching of all the kind of Nokia services. It's really the one that's survived and flourished and was a great example of how to write a, a mobile first music service. So I don't think it's the last time we'll have heard about mixed radio and I'm going to be following it in the future. I'm still a regular user. So yes, Steve's right. I am a little bit of a fan of the service um, and good luck to them. And I'm going to be following with interest what they do next. Good, good. Okay. Um, now, now we must move before we go any further and before we, certainly before we finish the podcast to an actual review of an actual Ooh. new Windows phone, the, the Lumia 535. We've mentioned in glowing terms in terms of first impressions and certainly looking at specifications in previous podcasts. We've now had the production 535 in house for two or three weeks. Uh, and the full review went up on the, on the site about two weeks ago. Um, I have to say, I'm still quite impressed. The, 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 <laughs> The 56783X series, if you like, the 535, the 630, and 635, the 735, the 830, uh, even the 930, they, they, they're all pretty impressive. And it's, it's actually quite good to lay them almost side by side and look at the progression in terms of specifications and components. And they all kind of make sense at their own price points. And if this, if this sounds like I'm gushing, then I'm, I'm sorry. But <laughs> the 535 is particularly, it's, it's, as I said in the review, it's finely pitched to impress as much as possible for as low a price as possible. And they've, they've really worked at the compromises in terms of the components and the choices made at every stage, which we've been over in many previous podcasts. It's a nightmare being a phone designer. What do you leave out? What do you put in? What quality do you uh, assign for each component to try and keep the price low uh, and keep it, keep it feasible? With the 535, they've, they've done a standout job. The... I keep comparing everything to the 830 because then all of these phones are five-inch phones, effectively. So you can you can take your favourite and then you can work up or down from that. But the 535 is it's almost like a, a the, the budget sister device to the 830, I'd argue, um, in terms of the the form factor, the 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 look and feel in the hand. Even I know it's plastic rather than metal, but to to think that the 535 Rafe, I've seen it as low as I think 79 pounds on pairs you go in the UK. So under 80 pounds, the eighth. I mean, I, it's not really available on pay-as-you-go, but SIM-free, it's certainly at £250 or so. So we're looking at something that's about uh, a quarter or a third the price, and that, that's astonishing. The 535 
I think would be a big seller, whereas the 530 was very, I found very disappointing. They really had savaged the components, savaged the specifications so much to get the cost down, they'd made it almost not worth buying. The 535, I think everyone I've shown it to has said, this is really nice. And when I've mentioned the price, they said, wow, you know, I, this is something I would seriously consider. I think the 535 will, will sell as, at least as well as the 635. And I know the 635 is already selling well. I, my nephew bought uh, have one given to him for Christmas, and he absolutely loves it. So, uh, yeah, rock on Microsoft. I thought I was very impressed by the 535 on every count. I mean, likewise, I got to see the 535 for the first time in person, and I noticed a kind of design similarity to the 813. That, that's only a positive comment. Um, yeah. Of course, they are clearly very different. The materials are different, and the 830 does feel like a more expensive device. But the, the original 530 and some of the earlier kind of budget Windows phone devices, you're going back to things like the 610, did feel rather cheap in the hand and they were a bit bulky and, you know, they felt a bit fat. You know, you could clearly see they'd been designed down to a cost. Now, that's still present with the 535, but it's left less apparent with that kind of feel in the hand, that X factor, you know, it's the caressability I always talk about with devices. Really, really impressive for a budget device, um, particularly when you consider it's going to be well under £100. And when you then extend that to the fact that, as you say, sensible decisions have been made about the components. And this is something to watch out for. I mean, I've talked in the past about how actually most people could probably manage with a mid-tier device and the 830 being the exemplar of that. This is really just a story of the fact that component costs come down all the time. You know, obviously last year's top-end processor is... Uh, next year's mid-end processor the same thing is really going to happen to these low-end devices uh, the 535 i don't think is is quite there yet because there's two comments in the review maybe you could have upgraded the process to a 400 series but you think about what will come kind of next year or the end of this year probably we will see something in the 500 line with that 400 series process just a bit of an update as the component prices have dropped again now of course that will actually probably be matched presumably by some cheap devices around you know the, the 430 series which has been rumored a couple of times has been signed off by the fcc and things like that but it does mean that the price at which the kind of default or the minimum recommended device from the all about team is going to come down and of course that does depend on who you are and all of that but actually as we've said 8.30 would be comfortable recommending to almost anyone. I think that's going to come down a little bit more as, as the year progresses. And the 5.35 is an early signpost for that. Um, I did enjoy reading through Steve's review and particularly the comment about the orange colour, which obviously isn't <laughs> Steve's cup of tea. But I would point out that I'm rocking a, a bright orange a Lumia 8.30. So obviously I'm very much on trend and with the fashion sector, <laughs> probably not really, if I'm completely honest. But uh, I actually want to try out a 530 at some point for a few days just to see how I get on with the kind of the lower end and all the compromise that has been made. But it goes back to something we said time and time again on both the All About Windows phone and going back to the All About Symbian podcast. Any device is really a, a, a total of the decisions made in terms of compromises to get it to a certain price point, the way all the components fit together. And I think what the Lumia range has done really well in the last 12 months and really impressed me with is it seems to have got a lot of the decisions, you know, right. The 830, a great device. The 735, very good device. The 635, 
Yes, it's a good device. If anything, it's maybe the weakest one in that mix. The 535, big step up, I would say, from the 530. It'd be interesting to see what comes along in kind of that 430, 435 lineup. And the one that's actually weakest is the 930 right at the top end. A lot yeah. of that is about the screen, but it also just feels like there isn't that extra value there that you get over and above the 830. A lot of that is about the fact that Windows Phone runs so well on the lower end hardware. You know, the Snapdragon 400 feels perfectly sufficient for 90% of the time. Um, and so you know, it, it does feel there's maybe a weakness up there, but the, the difference is compared to a year or a couple of years ago, actually that kind of strong feel of a good portfolio stretches now up from the low end with the 535 right up to the upper part of the mid-tier with something like the 830 previously it was really only the low end devices you know we've praised the 520 and the 620 in the past and then going back to some earlier devices as well and so that's why i think uh, the lumia family in general is in such a strong position for 2015 even if it doesn't have that kind of um, big flagship to act as a halo device and it, it still needs it i think we're gonna have to wait quite a while for it and i think people will be disappointed because of that but the stuff that really matters in terms of the volume sales it's going to be very well served by the likes of the 535 the 735 and the 830 and so i think we'll see some strong results in terms of volume of windows phone devices being sold in the first half of 2015 yeah, just a couple of specs I'd want to pick out of the table within my review, Rafe, just in yeah. case you want to comment on them. Um, the, the, the part of the reason I think the 535 has got legs is the fact that it comes with a gig of RAM. Now, yeah, going up from absolutely. half a gig to a gig of RAM, it may seem like a fairly trivial step and you wouldn't see much benefit now. But I, I firmly believe, with years of experience behind me, that as operating systems evolve, they tend to increase their RAM requirements. And I think having a gig of RAM will make it more future-proof in terms of get, um, acquiring more features from whatever we end up with, Windows Mobile 10 or whatever, later on this year. Also, the, along the same lines, having an 8-gig internal disk rather than the 4 gigabyte, as the 530 had, um, obviously plus micro SD. Um, so in both cases, it's, it's more future-proof, Rafe. It is, and actually the 8 gigabytes is an important one because it's going to make it that much easier to update the device because, of course, most of the time you will be downloading the update onto the internal disk. And with the 4 gigabyte devices, I've come across a lot of people who just didn't have the space to install the update and therefore weren't able to benefit from those updates. Um, I think I would still say make sure you get a micro SD card if you have these devices and you get as much as you can on there and preserve the internal disk for stuff that really can't go on the external either because it's forbidden or for some other reason. I'd also just pick out the LED flash on the, the camera. It's you know, something that the 530 doesn't have. It just gives you a few more options when you're taking uh, pictures and there's also of course the front facing camera as well which means you can do video calling which on a device at that price point is you know is, is really good yes it's not yeah. particularly good i would <laughs> hasten to add and also uh, i'd also point out the uh, battery capacity that's got an extra 500 milliamp hours on it over something like the 530 it's uh, 1905 milliamp hours i believe that just means that it will last comfortably through I would say a day and a half. And for most people, that's going to be uh, two days between recharges if they're not really hammering the device. Certainly going to do a day very, very comfortably. And so I think that's a real plus point as well. And so it's very hard to pick out things and be, be critical about them. I think possibly the weakest point when we're looking maybe a year or 18 months down the road will be that Snapdragon 200 processor, yeah. just because that's going to age more than some of the other specifications we've been talking about. But you really can't argue when it's a, a low-end device like this. you know. So I think kudos to uh, to Microsoft, and certainly I look forward to trying one out for a, a week or two 
I mean, I, I use the 530 and the $100 phone challenge um, on the 361 podcast. And actually the 535 would solve pretty much all the complaints <laughs> I had with it, yes. which was the you know size of the internal memory and the quality of the screen. Now, it's not going to take away any massive awards for winning, but it's the, the pain that it would take away on that particular challenge would be enough to make me go, yeah, I'm, I'm perfectly happy using this device uh, for a little bit. I, I have to admit, I, I wouldn't very willingly part with my higher end device but uh, even so i'd certainly be happy to recommend it for someone who's you know looking for a, a cost conscious windows phone device yeah and just to hedge off all the people writing uh, emails to rafe right now pointing out that the very latest versions of windows phone do allow you to do OVR updates with the downloads occurring to micro SD rather than internal disk. Oh, I know Steve. that hasn't reached every device yet because they haven't all got the right platform update, but that, that is in the works and Rafe did know about it, so please don't write him not so nasty. Honestly, you know. I knew about it and I totally remembered it. Definitely. <laughs> I did notice, Rafe, you said you're rocking the Orange 830. You do know, as per my little mini feature a couple of days ago, that you can just buy a new backplate for 10 quid or so and then just pop it on and you've got a different coloured device. So I can be even more hip and get the green version. Excellent. No, get black or white. You, you're you a professional, right? boring and consider- Right, okay. Mental note, put my black cover on when I go into a meeting so I look professional. Excellent. Thanks for that st- tip, Steve. Yeah, it's, it's a good one, actually, because it's one of the reasons I like the 830, having that replaceable battery, and that's going to be really handy when uh, I'm at conferences. And I kind of wish I'd had one when I was at CES because I was finding that by the time I got to the end of a 16-hour day, and I'd been using the 830 to take sort of a couple of hundred pictures. In fact, I think I used it for about 500 pictures, and it's one of the first times I've basically relied almost completely on the, a camera phone rather than taking a standalone DSR. And it's certainly um, done the business in terms of the output, uh, more than good enough for all the photos I need to use. And I'll, I'll put some of them up on the side of the Windows phone devices um, and so, yes, I could have done with a, a replaceable battery. So one more reason to like the 830, having not uh, praised it enough on this particular podcast. But uh, I will do my level best, Steve, to get a nice boring battery cover and sort of return to the uh, conservative shades. <laughs> um, finally, on the podcast, before we sign off, just to mention that I did put up uh, my summary of the news stories we covered, all the major stories and the major reviews, uh, the major major editorial content during 2014, just as a brief review review summary and people can link through to the, the headlines to, in case they miss something through the year i was trying to summarize it at the end rafe and it, it was tricky 2014 seemed like yet another year of transition for the platform obviously with microsoft buying nokia um windows 10 being fledgling and in the background and, and obviously going to come to the foreground and fruition this year we still we still didn't really have a big hero flagship either the top ends that was something that kind of nagged away at me at the same time on the positive standpoint, we've just been talking incredibly positively about the 735, the 830, now the 535, the 635. There have been some terrific smartphones in the Windows Phone ecosystem from the, the right at the bottom end or near the bottom end, right up to the, the, the mid-range. So th- there's positive and negative. I, I'm, I'm not sure how I, you summarize that in one data point, one percentage point, Rafe, but uh, perhaps your take on the year in summary? Yes, I think you're right, Steve. It, it, it's hard to summarize it, but Thinking about it, it's been a really exciting year, not least because of that Microsoft acquisition of Nokia devices and services, and then also the kind of availability of the reference design, which I mean, there's been a kind of a, a flowering of more Windows phone devices, albeit from kind of tier three manufacturers. The full impact of those, I think, is yet to be felt. But if I was going to summarize it, I would actually say in, from the device side, 
it was a continuation of what we had in 2013, which was real strength in the low end. And that continued into 2014, somewhat against, I think, some people's expectations. But that's also now started to extend towards the mid-tier. Again, I don't think the full effect of that will be fully felt until 2015. There has been plenty of disappointment as well. You, you mentioned the flagship, the shipment numbers are still relatively disappointing. But as we move into 2015, looking into Windows 10, I think that story about cross-device that we've started talking about more on the podcast will come to fruition. And so calling it a transition year, I th- think is you know, partly the truth. But I think always, whenever you look forward, you can get excited about what's going to happen. And then when it actually happens, because it's sort of just part and parcel of the year, you kind of get a bit blasé about it. But if I consider where we were a year ago and what's happened in that meantime, actually, it's pretty amazing. There's been very busy. And one of the things that I think I would also highlight is a year ago, and certainly 18 months ago, we were talking about apps on Windows Phone being a real issue. It still is, to be honest. There is still an app gap, but it has become less of the kind of thing that you mention every time you see Windows Phone in some other technology publication, not enough apps. That's because, you know, over the course of the year, a lot of the gaps did get filled in. And there's also been this realization that perhaps I think apps aren't absolutely everything once you have those top 100 you're going to keep an awful lot of people happy where it is still a problem is the way that it's perceived particularly by kind of technologists and geeks who go oh it hasn't got this new app on it or it's not being used by a startup and i think that still is an issue for the way it will be perceived and it will always be seen as the third platform by the media and by technologists as a result but i think it's less of an issue for everyone in the street you know when they can get whatever it happens to be, be Instagram or one of their favourite games, you know, Candy Crush just arriving before Christmas, a good example of that. I think Microsoft can't afford to lose sight of the ball on that. They're going to have to continue to push developers to make their apps available simply because it's not the logical choice at the moment. Windows Home will always be the third choice. And so Microsoft is going to have to continue to provide money and continue to provide resources to support that process. So it'd be interesting to see where that goes in 2015. But um It's a very long-winded summary after Steve asked me to just give a a sentence or so. Uh, But I want to talk a little bit more about 2014 (laughs) and what happened in a future podcast. So maybe I should uh, save some of my rambling for next time. Okay. And I also did the editorial from the end of uh, 2015 as we start 2016, looking back in my, my, from my Rafe time machine. But let's, let's leave your proprietary technology, uh, <laughs> for the NSA and GCHQ to investigate. Um, apologies if people have heard a bit of breakup in this podcast. I must write out a thousand times and as my punishment, I must not update firmwares over Wi-Fi on the same bandwidth connection that I'm trying to record a podcast. So it's very bad practice. But at the MI830 is duly restarting the background. So it'll be interesting to see how it performs with the very latest. Dev preview and as I say, watch the site this week. I think this could be quite a bit of a cracker of a week in terms of uh, updates. Uh, but for now, um, I'll say goodbye and we'll try and catch you next week on the regular Tuesday or Wednesday slot. So bye from me. Excellent. Thank you, Steve. And I've just used the uh, timeship you referred to to go and listen to next week's podcast. And apparently we talked all about some of the predictions for uh, 2015 there as well. So we'll make sure we do that as well or something like it, unless we change the topic in the meantime. Anyway, thanks everybody for listening. Uh, It's time for a new year and there's going to be a lot more to come. Big thank you to my co-host Steve for making sure we got this podcast recorded after a little bit of a gap over the Christmas period. Uh, But for now, thank you for listening and don't forget to tune in next time. Bye for now.